With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, it's Adam Bogdan. You're listening to Line of Vienna podcast. Good evening, one and all. Welcome to Lovepod 14. I'm Chris, uh, and tonight I'm joined by Tom and Dan. I uh, just want to say a quick thank you to Adam Bogdan there. Uh, maybe the last time ever that we hear him introduce this show. Um, you may notice that we've recycled these intros once or twice, but, you know, that, that, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so, yeah, could do with some more. Dan, if you're listening, wink, wink, you know, hit us up, fix us up. Anyway, on to business. Um, so, yeah, this is Tom's second appearance on the pod. Um, he's also been lucky enough to be upgraded to full writer status uh, on the website in the past week or so. Tom, how, how has your life changed since that moment? Oh, it's been a, it's been a big week. I'll have to, uh, <laughs> I have to say, Chris, it's been a big week for me. Yeah, come a long way from uh, a Friday night after a couple of couple of beers and writing a comment on an article, and then the next minute I'm in the Lake District writing four of them. So yeah, busy week. Well, yeah, it's a good start. It certainly is a good start. And how are you, Dan? I know you've been uh, you've been busy this week with your academic studies. Yeah, pretty much. It's been a quite a stressful week, obviously with the two exams. As I've, I, people may have saw on Twitter, I kind of lost my mind Thursday night prior to my media exam, which was like two and a half hours long. Had to write three essays in that time, and right. I'm sorry to self-indulge, but I, we was in the shit. We was in this. You know how you get the good sports hall. You got the good exam hall, which has the good tables and the good mm. chairs, and then you get the shit one with the shit chairs and the shit tables because there's not enough room in the good one because maths is more important than media. Well, I was in the shit one with the shit tables and the shit chairs, and I was the chair was too low for the creaky old table. So I was like, for two and a half hours, I was like hunched back over whilst writing. So my shoulders were absolutely knackered, but I did all right. So I'm quite happy. This stressful week's come to an end with some lovely Bolton Wonders discussion. I hope. Well, I'm very pleased for you. I remember my last exam at university. We had in the um, one of the sports halls like we did but it was all out of commission so we had to go to a working men's club around the corner which basically was a it was a well it was the, the bar area they cleared everybody out they set a load of desks up in the pub in the bar section in a stinky sweaty old say, yeah. working man's club in Preston it absolutely hummed the ale seat into every single fibre of the carpet cigarette stains on the walls and so on and you're supposed to do a three hour classical gothic literature exam in there so yeah <laughs> sounds wonderful you've well, got inspiration yeah, that was you planned for you. What a what a what a institution that was. But anyway, less of our academic achievements or or lack of football. Let's talk about football now. It'd be remiss of us so soon after last night's Champions League final not to just dwell on that for a moment or two. I presume you both watched it. Certainly did. Yeah. yeah did you it for, what, what, what did you reckon, Dan? I mean, I I don't think there's a person in the world that would really justifiably say that uh, that Juve were hard done to losing three one. But uh, yeah, what, what did you make of the game? Obviously, it was uh, it was a bit of a masterclass, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was quite a good game. Yeah, I was um, I what to my shame, I actually called, I called it exactly as it happened. Like 
before the game I said Barcelona yeah, win three. No, I genuinely did hand on heart. I'm shit at betting, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll afford myself some when I've actually done well. I didn't bet on it, which is annoying, but. I put. I said it'd be three-one. Barca would score first early. Juve would equalise, but then Barca would run away with it, and that's exactly what happened. Really, I think it was a good game. Juve did make a game of it a bit. They tried, but they they weren't given much. I think they had a, due to Chiellini being injured um, and them mm-hmm. having to play four at the back instead of three. They had a real lack of width, and they really couldn't get many players forward to hurt Barca. Morata was the only one really making anything happen for him. So yeah, Barcelona were just class and completely outdid them. Really, definitely. I thought. Um... Busquets was incredible. I, I just love Busquets. I could just watch him all day. And not, mm. I know he's a wind-up merchant. I know he's a bit of a knobhead, but he, he's my kind of knobhead, that guy. I, I think he's absolutely amazing. Um, I think that puts in puts a bit of a, a full stop at the end of the comments about who's a better player, the most complete player in the world, Tom. So where do you stand on that debate? Are you, are you a Messi man? Are you a Ronaldo man? Or are you a, a Kevin Davies man like me? <laughs> uh, it, it's got to be Messi, hasn't it? I mean, he just, yeah. he just, about, he just about pips Super Kev. Um, he, he's just magic, right? He's just unbelievable. I mean, the, the the Bilbao goal was just. I mean, we we in England we still talk about that Ryan Giggs goal against Arsenal, but that was that was streets ahead of what Giggs did against Arsenal in the FA Cup. I mean, it, he's just he's just magic. Um, the only the only reason why it pips it is last night. Um, it wasn't all messy. I think you know, with the Real Madrid Champions League final, it's all eyes on Ronaldo and how many shots on target is he going to try and get in in the first fifteen minutes. But um, with Neymar and Suarez with him, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't wish for for anyone else but Messi with him there setting it up. Um, and they both scored, not. and you know, both of his both of his uh, strike partners scored, didn't they? So he doesn't just bring goals. Um, he's he's got that. He's just he's just so good. I feel like the more I talk about him, the less justice I do for him. So I might want to leave it there because he's just a genius. He is, isn't he? I mean, it's one of them where if you look at Ronaldo in the final last year, and you consider the fact that you know he probably only touched the ball about three times in that final, but he scored and he won. Well, Messi last night was at the heart of everything Barcelona did. He didn't score, and his team still won. So you know you could have a debate till the end of time as to who had the better final, and you'd be justified, I think, in saying in making arguments for for either player being the best, but. There's just something about Messi. I mean, I, I like watching Ronaldo. Don't get me wrong, but the, he doesn't put a smile on my face watching him. You know, he, he, I look at him with his bodybuilder physique and all that business, and I think he's a bit of a he's a bit of a, a genetic freak. You know, he's a he's a construct. He's mm. something that spent hours in the gym, hours on the training ground, refined. But Messi, you know, he looks like he's just some some little kid off the street, and he, that's the the same way that he's always played football. And I think that's what puts a smile on my face, and that's what means that Messi will always win for me. But, so, Dan, to bring this uh, long-winded introduction to a close, uh, Messi or Ronaldo or someone else? Um, yeah, it's always been Messi for me. I think it's just this. I agree with you 100%. I think it's just, whilst I really do appreciate how much Ronaldo's built himself up, like he's, everything he has, he's done himself with just, mm. no doubt, Months of hard work, you know, when you condense it all into one. But the Messi's just that bit more natural. Yeah, just a bit more natural to me. That bit more, geez, that bit more humble. That bit more down to earth. Even though he's tired yeah. of shit and it has got again, has like diminished that image a little bit for me. I will say that. But I see, as um, Tom was saying, with Barcelona's front three, Messi, Neymar, and Suarez both could get up there as well. They're both world class players. I think Neymar, captain of Brazil already, won the. Well, was instrumental in the Copa Libertadores win for Santos, instrumental in the Champions League win for Barcelona, a treble, a treble win at that. He could, re- he could. I don't know if he'll ever eclipse Messi, but he could certainly come close. But um, 
Uh, so leading on from that, it's a question I actually wanted to ask you really quick. Which Barcelona team do you prefer? This one, or obviously the treble, the one that won a treble under Guardiola's mm, stewardship. That's a very good question. I think I prefer this one because they're they're a bit more direct. Yeah, they're they're a bit faster. They're a bit a bit smoother. I mean, the Guardiola one I think gets a bit of a bad rep from people about you know boring team to death. I can see where that accusation comes from, but I. I I personally didn't, didn't find it to be that boring, but I can see why they would. But I don't think this team you could because they've got that perfect mix of a, of an unbelievable attack and, and a shocking defence. But you know, in, in fairness, PK Mascherano last night were absolutely sensational. So yeah, I, um, Tom, I'll come on to you and like see what you think. But yeah, I'm I'm quite content saying that Enrique's Barcelona is is more enjoyable to watch than Pep's. Uh, I think I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go for for Pep's team purely for that reason that you know yeah. uh, the critics say that they bore teams to death. I mean, the football Barcelona played that that first that Pep team at the peak was just just mm. completely unplayable. I mean, they still they still are now when they're at the peak. But from a selfish point of view, me, one of my favourite ever players is uh, Puyol, um, and I, yeah, he's got about for me favourite Barca team. He's got to have Puyol captain in it. I mean, the man yeah, was just something just else, and he's so good. Yeah, one of the, one of the best centre halves the world the world's ever seen. One of the biggest complaints I've got, one of the biggest regrets I've got, is I went on a stag do to Barcelona about six or seven years ago. It was a season before Guardiola took over, and it had all the same players, but you had you know Ronaldinho, Deco, Eto, Messi, Good Johnson, people like that. And guess what score it was? Nil nil. Nil nil at home to Espanyol. The only nil nil <laughs> they've had in about ten years, and the in fact, all, all all the games I've seen in Spain have been nil nil. Seen Bolton against Atletico Madrid, nil nil. And the Barcelona Espanol derby, nil nil. So yeah, don't don't go to Spain to watch football with me because it's guaranteed to be boring. I bet you enjoyed. I bet you enjoyed one of those nil nils far more than the other though, didn't you? To be honest, I can't really remember much about either. I'm a big fan of San Miguel, so it's never going to go uh, never going to go <laughs> that well. Much like Munich away, I'm sure I had a great time. I've got pictures that make it look like I had a good time, but I'd be damned if I had to remember any particular moments of it. Um, they... But less of that. Sorry, go on. Did, do quick digression. Um, did they get you with that free beer on the ticket? Did they fill you with that as well? I can't remember. Was it what, in Munich? In Munich, on the back of the ticket, it said one free beer. Um, no, I don't, I've got my ticket upstairs. I'll have to check that. But I know I, I bought... On the, yeah, it, I was, really... it was alcohol-free anyway. Well, I bought what I thought was a pint of beer in the ground because I'd been on it all day and it was apple juice. So, you know, it definitely stung me with something there. <laughs> Typical German efficiency, making sure we don't get too pissed. But no, that's good. Uh, right, so what we'll do is we'll dive straight into the first segment tonight. Um, we're talking about the week's work, transfer rumours in, uh, you know, in sort of brief form, which we know we're never really that good at keeping it too brief. But we'll break it up into ins and outs, um, just so we know exactly where we stand. Now, the first rumour that we uh, that we heard at the start of the week was uh, Finn Bogerson, Alfred Finn Bogerson, uh, former Real Sociedad, oh, sorry, current Real Sociedad striker. Uh, formerly of Heron Vane and Lockering, where he first came to the attention of Neil Lennon. Uh, Dan, you, you wrote a piece, I think, on the site about this uh, this young chap. So, right. what can you tell us, and, and where did this link come from? Came, where did this link arrive from, should I say? Oh, yeah. and, uh, and and is it bullshit, or is it something we need to pay attention to? Yeah, well, it, it arrived from... I saw it once on a website, I can't remember the name of, and it's an early appearance this week. Yeah, welcome, love dog. We forgot to say that in the intro, didn't we? Uh, um, the most faithful hound of all. Of course. Um, obviously, yeah, um, it was on a website first time, which I don't remember the name of, and that was a couple of days before a couple of other websites picked it up, and none of them particularly prestigious or reliable, but it's, I'll report on 
the most strenuous of transfer rumour, even if it's a little bit exciting. And this one is. It's never going to happen in a million years, I'd have thought. It's completely not a bullshit, because I think even if it was real, I think clubs like Everton and Norwich are circling as well. So, you know, that about pretty much rules us out completely, doesn't it? But, yeah, it's meant to be a loan move for the striker, because obviously he, after, he earned himself a big move to Real Sociedad last summer after scoring 59 goals in 70 games for Herenveen. Um, but he's just not really took off well in Spain. He's only scored four goals in 27 games for him, and obviously he's found himself a bit um, second uh, out of favour with good old David Moyes. So Lennon's apparently trying to get him on loan. We know Lennon has been in Spain recently, twice by his own admission scouting. So you never know, he may well be looking at him, but I doubt it. No, fair enough. Yeah, I can't say I know too much about him other than uh, other than what I've read on the internet this past week. But uh, Tom Finn Boggerson, uh, do you know anything about him? Have you seen him play at all, or, or what sort of player he is? I know absolutely nothing, um, other than other than what the internet tells me. But I mean, it's silly season, and even this one stands out as um, as nonsense. I think um, it's just, I mean, someone sat in an office, not a lot going on. They're looking at Neil Lennon's. Uh, past targets, past players, a Celtic manager thought, yeah, that'll do. Um, I, I don't nope. see it happening. I don't see no. it happening. But anyone we're linked with at the minute, I'm just of the attitude of, yeah, why not? Um, I mean, it sounds like an expensive player. It sounds like someone um, he scored goals in in Holland, doesn't he? So I don't, I don't see, I don't see it ever happening. But if it did, I'm assuming it, it'd be a success. But it's, it's it's silly season, isn't it? Yeah, well, you, your comment about sitting in an office making things up, but you, you'll soon learn that that's pretty much our line of Vienna works, mate, to be honest with <laughs> um, On to a player that we probably know a bit more about and was linked with us today was Wilson Palacios, formerly of uh, Wigan, Tottenham and latterly Stoke City. Now, he's barely played in the last two years because of a, of a succession of injuries and also uh, not really fitting in at the club, which was strange as they, they bought him, I think, for the best part of eight million quid, probably paying him north of 30 grand a week if not more um, and he's barely played but we'll stick with you Tom on this one but uh, I mean I think this would be a cracking signing personally I mean he's going to be an up- if he can remain fit obviously going to be an upgrade on Spearing and Mido you would have thought yeah and also an upgrade on uh, Ronald Hulse, Austin um, who keeps mm. getting mentioned of Leeds um, it's what I think it's it's the player that, that Lennon wanted in replacement for a Mido or a Spearing because um, you know Particularly Mido uh, had, a, had a, uh, a bit of a tackle in him, but what, what Spearing and Mido both lacked is presence on the pitch and getting getting yeah. around. Uh, and I mean, it has been a while since we've seen anything from Palacios because he's he just seems to have disappeared at Stoke and not played at all. But if he is the player that um, that he was um, a few years ago, especially when he was at Tottenham, then it's a cracking signing. Um, but am I right in saying that he failed a medical to to, to go to Qatar? That's correct. Last summer. Well, that's correct. That, that's a worry. Um, yeah, he's only played. Yeah. He's only played thirty-eight league games in four seasons um, since he joined Stoke in two thousand and eleven. Now he's played a fair bit for the Honduran national team. He's probably made about twenty or thirty appearances in those four years. So part, I think, part of it is down to injury, and part of it is down to uh, to, to not really having his face fitting at Stoke. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's got everything in his locker to be sort of player that, that we need because he's obviously got experience in England he's probably looking at his uh, his Wikipedia pages as accurate as that can be he's played best part 150 games in England so he's a very experienced lad and he is only 30 as well Dan I yeah I think I've got, I've got to disagree with the player to be honest I think there's a reason he hasn't he's not made a single appearance for Stoke City last season 
there's a reason he failed the medical at Qatar, and it's because he's you know unfit and a bit shit. He's just he was a very good player at Wigan and early Tottenham days, mm. and I agree with the point that he has a bit more. He definitely bring a bit more presence on the pitch, certainly, but. He's just nah. He's a. He's gonna. He's gonna be wanting far too much than what we'll be able to offer him. I'd have thought. And um, yeah, I think he's just well past it now. He seems like the type of player just. He's just gonna sail off to. Well, if you can pass a medical, they're just gonna sail off to some money pit in the desert or somewhere and get a nice payday. Because I can't. I can't see him even be bothered to try and yeah. get back into it really. And. I don't see him as much as an upgrade on Spurn and Mead. He's just he is the same type of player. Just can can win a ball back, and that's about it, really. So, to me, as as I always say at the minute with Bolton signs, beggars can't really be choosers. But to me, I no, I just can't see that one personally. I think I remember reading a story about something about his brother was kidnapped and murdered <laughs> about four or five years ago, and that led to him being out of the picture for six months or so. He was you know he was suffering from depression or something really? similar to that. That's- yeah, I can only half remember the story, but there was, I'm sure I remember reading something about that. It was back in Honduras, and because all his brothers are footballers, aren't they? Yeah, they, they all play for Honduras. Yeah, yeah, and one of them, I don't, oh wait, well, maybe not one of the ones that are the footballer brothers, but one of his brothers and his extended family was was kidnapped and, and murdered, I'm sure. Oh, but you shouldn't expect anything like that to happen in Wigan anyway. But I would have thought that, um, you know, if we can get anywhere near the, the player he was at Birmingham, Wigan, and, you know, in the early stages at Spurs, then... You know, it's an absolute no-brainer of a signing. The finances have got to work, otherwise they wouldn't even have him in. Because you know how, how stringent our finances are at the minute in time. They're not just going to get somebody in and then dis- discover two weeks later that, that they can't afford him. I mean, that, that does sound a little bit of a bottom one just thing to do. But on this occasion, I don't think it would uh, it would be the case. So, yeah, we'll see how that one develops. Um, the next pair, we'll, we'll put them together. Well, the Irish the- pair of, uh, of Richie Towell and Daryl Hogan play for Dundalk over in Northern Ireland now. We were alerted to this by a couple of a couple of readers of the site. Sent us a few tweets in um, a combined fee of five hundred thousand for the two players, which immediately made me uh, made me dubious. So we don't really know much about these uh, these Northern Irish lads who we've been linked with. But Dan does, or at least Dan knows where to look to find that information. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll come to you first. Yeah, well, the, I first saw the the news on uh, Talk of the Town, which I believe is a little local website for. Dun, 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 dark, dun, dark, you say? Dun, dark. Uh, dun, dark, right. So, first of all, Richie Towell is the one with the most information available because um, he was actually at Celtic for a time under Neil Lennon, yeah. so that's maybe where that link comes from. He he was only young, but he's still only 23 now, and he was all, well, he would have been you know, 17, 18 when he was at Celtic yeah. then, and so he only made one senior appearance, like I think professionally, uh, you know, competitively, but, um, and he spent some time at Hibernian there as well, um, 30 games and scored a single goal. and So like, you, see, you can see where the links come from in that regard, because obviously Lennon does know of him. And Well, according to Wikipedia, he's done quite well for Dundalk, because in 456 appearances in two years, he scored 1,378 goals. So we might come on to a real fine there, to be honest with you. I think the thing we can take from that is that he manages to, he manages to stay fit to play a game every uh, every two days, which is pretty good. Nice. So there's... I think three hundred grand might be a bargain there, and then in all seriousness, I think he scored this year. He's a centre midfielder for a bit more information, and he's a, what, a oh, he's a he has a goal grabbing midfielder. Obviously, the Irish season is only on now, isn't it? It's the summer season. Yeah. So um, he scored twelve goals in Don Dalt's campaign thus far, and he says um, ten in the last twelve appearances. So there might be something there for a midfielder. And um, the second player is a uh, Daryl Hogan, obviously um, a twenty-two-year-old left winger who there's a little less information on, but um. Has in in his last 
five games, I believe. He scored oh, six goals um, already this season. He scored um, five in his last six games, I think it is. So another, okay, not bad. I, again, when they cost money, I doubt it. But it's interesting, obviously, that you can see where the towel links come from with Lennon obviously knowing who he is. So, interesting one to keep an eye on, maybe. Yeah, Tom, to, uh, just to come to you, I'm not going to ask you to repeat that information because that pretty much covers, <laughs> I think, the world's entire knowledge of these two players. But it's interesting that we're, we're looking at central midfield and left wing to, to reinforce. It obviously doesn't really bode too well for the futures of, uh, of people such as Rob Hall, or uh, which maybe doesn't come as a surprise to too many, but you know, it, it kind of indicates that Lennon knows that we've got a problem in these positions and he's, he's working hard to, to resolve it. Yeah, we, we are in that, as, as Dan said before, that uh, beggars can't be choosers situation where we, we can't really be, be, be picky about who we've been linked with, but the, the positives that you've got to take out of this is that the, the two players... Um, half a million for the pair of them coming from the Irish League. I'm sure the wages are going to be very, very low. But yeah, just why not? I'm just uh, at that stage now where I'm just thinking, just get them in, see what they can do. It's it's a couple of bodies into the squad, um, and like I said, I, I'm quite happy with our Lennon scouting at the minute and the players he's trying to pick up. So uh, we'll just have to put a bit of faith in him for the time being and hope that they can add something. Yeah. Well, we spoke last week, didn't we, about Conor Hurrahan, the Irish lad who uh, had signed for Barnsley for 300 grand from Plymouth. Now, if you think about it, if you, if you sign a player like that in the, for coming from the English market, you're probably not going to be looking at much less than half a million quid to, to a million pounds. You know, there's not a lot of value in, England, in buying from the British Isles, but if we can move abroad, uh, you know, so to speak, to, to Northern Ireland, you might find someone a bit cheaper, a bit of a diamond in the rough. And if it could be someone that would have an impact like Hurrahan has, then it, I think it's well worth having a gamble because we, we know we've got a, a moderate core of competent central midfielders and so I don't think it's going to be to the detriment of our team building to maybe invest you know, a, a little bit of a sum in these two lads or someone of that ilk. But do you think that's wise, Dan, or would you rather go with tried and tested no, I do. Or, you know, semi-guaranteed uh, success? No, I do agree. Yeah. Since... Fuck's sake, this, this podcast has just been a, a line of disasters, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and the listeners don't even know what we're talking about because my editing, hopefully, my editing skills would have made them all go away. But um, yeah, I do agree with that. Actually. I'd, as, but our club's finances aren't really much of a concern to me personally. I'd much rather us, you know, make, take a gamble or two, make, yeah. get, go for something a little unknown, but just just for the excitement, if nothing else. Even if it yeah. does, even if it does end up being a bit shit. But I think you are right. There are a lot of um, Good players do um, do come from Ireland. I mean, look at Seamus Coleman. What did he cost Everton? Eight eight grand or it something like that. Something stupid yeah. like that. It's one of the best right backs in the league. So there's can de- there's definitely good players to be found there. And I'm with obviously I think being linked with Irish players was always going to happen with Lennon. But so but I'm I'm very happy it's, ha- it's starting to happen because um, I do think there is as you say diamonds in the rough to be found there. And I'd like us to be a bit more canny with our transfer dealings and try and find some young players that could turn a profit in time and actually be good for us. Yeah, well, we've had our pants pulled down, haven't we, with uh, with big money or, or reasonably big money plays in the last few years and GOG and so on. It's probably time, isn't it? You know, that's the market we're living in, that's the world we're living in and that's the, the finances that we've got behind us now. We've got to play, uh, we've got to, to be a bit smarter, I suppose. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, uh, we've got the outgoings now, Prattley and Bogdan. Both appear to have one foot out the door. Um, we've probably spoken about these lot leaving for the last month in these podcasts, so we'll keep it very, very brief. But you know, there doesn't appear to be much way back for these, does it, Tom? No, no. We, we alluded to it last week, didn't we? It's 
I I think that from day one, Lennon's had a look at the squad and, and decided who's staying and who's going. Um, and, and I don't think they're alone in that. There's plenty of players in the squad that I think over time uh, Lennon's going to want to phase out. But I think for now it's a matter of doing it, doing it slowly, doing it over a longer period of time, just yeah. to make sure we've got a bit of continuity in the squad. Because what we don't want to be doing yeah. is bringing, you know, a Blackpool situation where we're bringing in a half a squad of players uh, and expecting it to work. So I, I, I do think that somewhere in the office he's got his hit list, um, and to, to be striking those names off that list. And I, but I just think he's going to have to be, and he will be patient with it, and, and over a longer period of time till he gets the squad he wants. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Dan, do you want to bring this segment to a close? Just let us know your thoughts on uh, on Bogdan and Prattley. Do you think there's any chance, really, that either will be lining up in a, in a Bolton shirt come August? I think Prattley's, I think Prattley could probably still be 50-50, even though with the QPR link now, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, going back to his hometown, it's, I think he'd suit. You know, I think he'd be fitting quite well there. Actually, is that they need like some good championship level players to you know instead of the money grabbers that largely can largely make up their squad but I think with Bogdan I want to I want to talk about this I think we've all known in our hearts no matter how much we didn't want it to be true that Bogdan was going and with Liverpool being such a big club we can't be good it we've said it lots of times but Liverpool fans reactions to the news that they're signing Bogdan has made my piss boil to no end they're just days. a bunch of absolute no-out knobheads, yeah, aren't they? Seriously, are like, they're not. I'm not calling the actual knowledgeable Liverpool fans who are... There aren't any. No, no, no. No, 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 no there, there aren't, aren't any. any. There aren't any. Well, if they are, they, they won't be hiding there it. There are well. a few. The only problem is that because Liverpool are one of those clubs, full, their fan base consists of a lot of wanks, self-entitled <laughs> dickheads who believe their club <laughs> is the best and... You know, deserve a world-class keepers to be sit on the bench for them and all that type of stuff. They have got good fans. I know a few of them on Twitter. I know a few of them in real life, and some of them are reasonable. Saying Bogdan, it makes complete sense of getting a very good keeper on a free, just sit on the bench, most than likely. Even though I think he could be better than Mignolet come January. But to see, just to see everyone going, oh, why are we signing Bog Rogers being shit signings again and all that type of stuff? It just enraged me, which means I've written a piece on it calling them all, which will be going, <laughs> well, which will be going live tomorrow. Yeah, look forward to that coming on because I, I totally agree with you. I think that, the, you know, we say as much about Bolton as, as to be the, the reality of the situation they're in. Liverpool need to be bloody cocky, uh, less cocky about where they are now and be realistic because you know, they've not had a good goal. They had Rainer. Rainer's their only good goalkeeper in about 15 years. This Mignolet, he couldn't catch a cold. He's shite. If Bogdan goes to Liverpool, Bogdan, I reckon, be first choice keeper by Christmas. No messing about. Um, I could talk all day about Liverpool. I used to work in an office full of Liverpool fans, so I know full well how stupid they are, how reactive they are, how gullible they are, and how entitled they are. They can all pick, they can all just fuck off. I've no interest in Liverpool whatsoever, and I, I really hope that uh, they get relegated, basically. <laughs> no time for him, no time for him whatsoever. Well, that's you, on me. Uh, well, We'll come back to sorry, Daniel. Come go on. No, that's Tom. Go on, Tom. Oh, sorry, beg your pardon, Tom. <laughs> Just uh, give us your opinion on Liverpool, right or wrong, good or bad. I've got to be careful because I've got some very, very good friends in Liverpool. I think you got to, uh, with with this with the, the brilliance of Twitter. The, the bigger a football club becomes, the more chance there is someone sat in Kent just putting a live bird on the on the Twitter profile picture and then starts talking about Liverpool uh, are going to sign Angel Di Maria and whoever. Um, so you, 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 the bigger the club is, the less likely it is that that person's going to be, you know, 
at the game because at the end of the day, Anfield still only holds forty odd thousand, and you got the you know millions of people on, on on Twitter talking about the club, many of which don't know anything about Liverpool. Never mind Dan and Bogdan. I mean, one of the articles, I think it might be Echo this week, said that Bogdan was our reserve goalkeeper. And basically someone in, in the office at the Echo has been asked to do a bit of last-minute research on him, gone onto Wikipedia, figured out that he's only played a handful of games this season and decided that, that he's our number two. Um, which if they'd have done any homework or, or asked anyone who knew, they'd have told you that he was our number one goalkeeper when we were still in the Premier League. He's definitely, when 100% fit, our number one goalkeeper as it stands. And he will fit in at Liverpool. He's, he's better than Brad Jones. As you said, Chris, uh, Mignolet is going to have a period of bad form where Bogdan will get his chance. And I, and I do think that he'll he'll push Bogdan, uh, he'll push Mignolet more than Brad Jones has. I mean, I'm gutted, I'm gutted to see him go. But at the same time, when you go into a club like that, all the best to him. But I just, I just think that the way that the media has handled it uh, hasn't helped the, the the Liverpool fans' reaction at all. Yeah, I do agree with that because um, you're right. The media's completely been perpetuating these uh, misconceptions about Bogdan, and I'm going to call out one specifically because they are a prestigious site and should know better. But they are a lot of wankers. Squawker, do some fucking research. Yeah, you're all about your stats and stuff. So why don't you actually have a propaganda? Yeah, yeah, calling you out. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they said like stuff like Bolton are releasing Bogdan. It's like well. He's going on a, free, he's leaving on a free, but we're trying with all our might and all the money we can muster to keep him for fuck's sake. Yeah, and, um, he's very, he's very much not been released. Yeah, and then as you say, Dan, saying that he's our second choice. I, yeah, I can, I can it does appear to be so with his injuries, but like, all you literally all you need to do is go on either the Bolton News, us, Burning Aces, any Bolton site, ask any Bolton fan on Twitter, and they'll tell you. That he isn't first choice. That's all you need to do. And it just boils again. Liverpool, anything to do with Liverpool really boils my piss because it is just it's just um, formed by ignorance and idiocy and uh, and they don't know what it's just they don't know what type of keeper they're getting. They're getting a fucking great goalkeeper for nothing. Oh man, it's all going on. Honestly, tonight you're listening to this. This podcast probably going to be recorded in about fourteen different sections because. <laughs> Summit keeps happening every five minutes, but but no, I think you're both dead right, and I think Bogdan will prove himself to be the um, the, the number one goalkeeper in Liverpool. And he'll prove it pretty quickly, but it just goes to show statistics don't mean anything. I think I saw something before the Champions League final last night that Iniesta hasn't scored or set a goal up. I hate that assist word. I hate it more than I hate the word banter. But it hadn't scored or provided an assist all season in the Champions League. Well, you know, this is a guy who's been the best player in the World Cup final. He was the best player last night in the European Cup final. He's been one of the best players in the world for the past five seasons. And, you know, just because he hasn't fulfilled some magical, mystical category that some sweaty little nerd has decided is important to modern-day football, that is what irritates me. The fact that an assist is classed the same as whether you bung a whole... Like this Fabregas thing. Bollocks. Fabregas is the assist master. No, he's not. He just takes corners. He takes corners and he takes free kicks. You bung a a hopeful corner into the box not aiming at anyone in particular, and someone will score uh, someone score a header, and it's fucking classed as an assist. Did you see that bullshit with Messi against Athletic Bilbao? Fucking Danny Alves got an assist, in inverted commas, for passing him the fucking ball 10 yards inside the own Barcelona half. Are you telling me that that is a realistic way of measuring football? Is it bollocks? Yeah. I, Absolute bollocks. You've often come in for some scaring criticism for your diminishing of assists on the old Twitter, well, haven't you? But I, agree, I agree a bit. I it all depends on context assist, doesn't it? Of course, it does exactly, and that's why it's so it's so it's so pointless. Yeah. In 
giving it a blank a blanket term like that that describes every single one because every single goal is different. It's got there's absolutely no relation between any two goals ever scored in the whole wide world ever. And so to put one category that defines them all is is you know it's worse than blooming yeah. Hitler or something like that. It's shocking. So on that basis, what we'll do is we'll, we'll knock this segment on the head, and we'll be back shortly to talk about segment two, uh, which I can't find my notes, but it'll be to do with ball and wonders at somewhere. So stay with us. We'll be back shortly. Cheers. Knock it on the head. We're gonna take it right back at shed and fucking kill it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the love dog into the next segment. Maybe bring a bit of order to proceedings because so far it's been nothing short of a shambles. <laughs> chaos. Chaos. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. It's Sunday night. It's podcast 14 in the Love Pod. Um, it's been an interesting night so far. We've had technical problems. We've had the internet breaking. We've had the Love Dog making an appearance. We've had my little girl making a crying appearance upstairs, which forced me to leg it upstairs to try and sort her out. But, touch wood, we're back in the game. The internet appears to be working for everyone, so we're going to give it a bit of a bash. Segment two, um, still joined by Dan and Tom, we're going to be t- discussing our uh, respective all-time best Bolton Wanderers 11. Now, I've put mine up on the Line of Vienna Suite website for everyone to shoot at last week. I was given a little bit of jip in the comments section uh, about it being, you know, a relatively short period of time that they considered, but I, my response to that was, well, you know, what do you expect? I wasn't alive 700 years ago to watch Platt Lane and their, right, you know, enigmatic right-winger who could track back, and I'm not interested in that. We have hopefully got an article going up in the coming days which is uh, going to be written from... The perspective of one of our uh, one of our older fans, shall we say? I don't want to be too insulting to uh, to my friend Mick because he's not that much older than me. But he was over around to see the glory days of the uh, the seventies and eighties, so that might satisfy a few of the older heads on the site to uh, who don't believe that football progressed any further back than nineteen ninety two. But we'll come straight to you, Dan. Give us your best Bolton eleven, and then me and Tom will tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, and you will be telling me I am wrong by the second name. I guarantee it because I need to oh, prefix not- this. I know it's not Nicky Hunt, is it? It is, isn't it? It is. I guarantee it is. It's Go probably, on, let's hear probably it. worse. Well, well, I've just got to prefix <laughs> this first. Right? I've not been a Bolton fan for that long, 2006-ish. So this is mine. We've, we've not had very many good right-backs. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is mine, right, from, from what I've seen, basically. I may have forgotten people, so if you've... I haven't forgotten Kevin Nolan, he's just not in it. But if I have forgotten anything, you need to point them out so I can and make adjustments. Well, but as beginning, the obvious first choice is Jussie Escalainen. No explanation needed. The second, the right back, not because of how good he is, but because he's a cool guy, is Greta Steinson. <laughs> oh, I'm already sharpening my pencil at that one. I know. I know. My second, my first centre back, obviously, is Gary Cale. His partner, I couldn't choose between two. So I'm I'm gonna go with one and the other ones. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Andy O'Brien. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! But this is controversial. I can I can already feel the comments. But there's out. not there's not Twitter Twitter's going to explode. <laughs> it was Andy O'Brien who, when I was a wee lad watching him, to me looked good alongside Kale, and I still stand by that he taught Gary Kale everything he knows. <laughs> What's that hashtag? Is it heads gone? Is that the one? Possibly. Gone. But it was either O'Brien or Craig Dawson who was at the club for six months. And so, you know, on loan. Well, it's I your think... greatest team, Dan. You, you carry on. We'll, we'll Craig come Dawson to, was pretty come good. Come to the comments in a minute or two. I think the left back is a little little less contentious. It's um, Ricardo Gardner, who's obviously brilliant. Then the midfield. Right. Starting the mid. Starting. It's a midfield three. You're playing 4 3 3 here. Stuart Holden, because I stand by that he was 
one of the best players I've ever seen a bullet shirt in that season. Yeah. Ivan Campo, my favourite ever player, hand on heart. Then Gary Speed. Then the forward three is on the right side is Kevin Davis. In the middle is Nicholas and Elka. And, and probably perhaps another contentious one, maybe, is on the right finishing the team is uh, on the left side is El Haji Juf. So, very interesting. So very interesting. Um, Tom, can I just peel you down from the ceiling in shock and, and discuss yeah. that team to, to let me know let us know your thoughts on Dan's unbelievable greatest Bolton Wanderers eleven? It's it's definitely going to get people talking, Dan. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> it, it it got less contentious as you went on. Uh, I I went the same, and I went four three three. And you've given me a, a couple of a couple of people in midfield that I've that I've missed out on that I, that I regret missing out now. But yeah, it improved as it went on, Dan. I, but that back four is going to going to cause some problems I, with it. It's just on how Twitter. depressing. I've had nothing better. That's the best I've had. <laughs> That's how depressing it is. That is that is quite depressing. I must say. I mean. Obviously, you, you know you can't help the fact that we've had dog, dog shit centre halves in the last ten years, however long you've been going to the games. But uh, but yeah, maybe that's a stark that's a stark reminder of how uh, how weak it's been in terms of choice. Uh, exactly, exactly. I don't disagree with Yussi. I don't disagree with Kale. I don't disagree with Campo. And I think the front line's pretty good. But good God, man, you're, t- you're telling me that Nicky on uh, sorry Steinson. <laughs> I, I would genuinely have Danny Butterfield over Steinson. I've not had a better oh. man, no. Right, Steinson, right, this is this this could be a topic for another day, because I agree, I don't think Steinson was very good, I thought he was good in his first season, it's the first season I thought he was good, like the half season and the season after, the first, first year and a half, I didn't think he was good, but then he went to complete shit, I only, liked, I only put him in there because I liked him as a person, I thought he was just a really good bloke, and I remember in his last season, the, probably the season we were relegated when we played Chelsea, and Drogba started on Matty Taylor, and Steinson just went over and put him in his place, which I just remember to this day. So that's why he's in there, basically. No, I've nothing against Steinson as a human being. He's met him a couple of times. He's a nice guy. But good God, man, the primary function of a defender is to at least be moderately competent at defending. <laughs> you not think? No way. And, and defend, defending was very much an afterthought for uh, for Steinson. Tom, where, where do you but, stand on that uh, on that particular debate? Well, if if my eleven and Dan's eleven were, were coming up on a Sunday league match, my left winger would be rubbing his hands. Um, <laughs> And you'll find out who and why in a minute. But yeah, it, like I said, it, it got like less controversial as it went on. But Steinson didn't enter my thoughts. No, maybe, I, maybe, maybe, I've, maybe I've got a better breeder right back to choose from. Yeah, Steinson didn't enter your thoughts. Steinson was probably twenty yards out of position when you were putting your thoughts together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was Steinson, Nicky, on or Joey O'Brien, or, or well, Sam Ricketts, or yeah. Josh Vella. <laughs> That's all I have. Paucity of choice, I think. There, um, Tom, yeah. your 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 turn. Yeah, well, it's it's difficult, um, really difficult, because I started watching Bolton in the in the mid nineties, and you know, I was a little kid watching that team get promoted, winning winning the, the playoff final against Reading, and then and then breaking records to win the league. To me, that team was was almost invincible. But then you've got that brilliant Allardyce era as well. So it's a bit of a bit of a mix between between those two periods. But before I start, I'm going to get my apologies out of the way to to. <laughs> Um, Ivan Campo, Keith Keith Brannigan, Perf Ransom, Gary Speed, Kevin Nolan, Jason McAteer, and Super Kevin Davis. Um, they have not made the cut. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's going to cause some uh, some problems. Um, so this but- is Tom's second and last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we'll see. Well, maybe I'll be able to to dig my way out of it. But uh, Dan, like you, I went with Yossi. You just can't can't dispute it. Uh, in terms of right back walls, 
Um, I'm going to deliver the knockout blow and go for Bruno Ingotti. Centre-half, Gary Cale. And then my captain, Gudney Bergson. Uh, Ricardo Gardner, left-back. Midfield, I've gone again, I've gone 4-3-3. I've gone Hierro over Campo. I mean, I, I saw more of Campo and I loved him, but that man's the, the most gifted footballer I've ever seen in a Bolton shirt. My two central midfielders, I've gone Akocha and Holden. Oh, we both had Holden. I'm surprised. Yeah. 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 Um, to be honest, it was... It was between him and McAteer for a long time, and I went and I just edged it and went. So did Jockey have not ever come to your thoughts? Wait till I get to me left wing. Oh, yeah. right, steady on, steady on, So on the left wing uh, of my front three, I've gone for Yuri Jokev. So Steinson's Steinson's worried already. Um, on the right hand side, I've gone Sasa Sertic. Oh God! Uh, because he was man. he was a magician. He and and, and we didn't. We didn't see him for long enough, did we? But, I mean, he was magic. And then up front, and he just about uh, edges Super Kev out of the way, Super John McGinley. The fact that he could score 15, 20 goals a season and consistently look like he needed a good pre-season in him um, <laughs> just added to the fact that, I mean, that man could score goals. Um, the fact that he used to come out of the uh, the pre-game warm-up after they'd finished the running. Yeah. Yeah, just to just to smash a couple of balls past Brannigan. It was like a proper Sunday, proper Sunday league strikers warm up of just having a few shots in an empty net and then getting on playing the game. Yeah, and then back in for a cup of tea. Correct. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's some some big apologies need to be made to some brilliant players, but yeah, there's a mixture there of technically the best I've seen and my favourites, those romantic ones from when I was when I was tiny. Yeah, Dan, what do you think? Imagine having imagine having been able to make so many. <laughs> Massive emissions. <laughs> Spoiled for choice. Imagine, um, like I said, the most, the biggest I missed out were what Nolan, Stelios, um, Glove. That's it. That's the most I've missed out. <laughs> oh, it's the, yeah, that's what I do like that. I was surprised at a few like, obviously Churchich. I only know Churchich just the mad EP game and. You yeah. know, which, well, he was yeah. a stunning player, and I never forget the way the way that my uh, my ever loving father broke the news. Man- Manchester United supporting evil swine of a father told me uh, he knew that Curtis was my favourite, and so we had a chat. Now I was about eleven, twelve, something like that, and he said, uh, "Who's your favourite Bolton fan, son?" And oh, it's Sasa Kerchik. He went, "All right, who's your favourite Villa player?" Um, I went, "Oh, um, I don't know, Dwight York." Went, All right, okay. Well, who's your favourite Bolton player then? Well. Kerchich, who's your favourite Villa player? And the penny, the penny dropped after about fifteen minutes. This backwards and forwards, and I don't, I don't even mind. I burst into tears. Like, Why did he go to Aston Villa? What a cool! Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I won't lie. I cried when um, Anelka left. I was a wee and I was just <laughs> the rumours had been like circulating, oh. and then he went. Then I got home from school and went, Dad, what's as it as it? And he went, he's gone. I was like, oh, we're gonna go down. There's, there's, oh, there's, there's two what? times. There's two times Bolton Wanderers have made me cry. Um, the the second time was when we went down from the Premier League because I just had this feeling that we were never coming back, and I and I still feel like unfortunately that might be the case. But the first time was when John McGinley left for Bradford, and I'm still I'm still waiting for his reply from my tear stained letter that I sent him. So Super John, if you're listening. I hope that that letter's been framed and it's up in your living room because that that was my heart my heart poured onto paper. So, oh. oh well, I, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a big thumbs up for Hierro as well. I, I, I totally agree with you on there. I, I I think you've got to find room for Campo, but at the same time, you you, you credit for your plaudits to Hierro are completely valid. I can offer no bigger praise than this that he, he hits the best corners I've ever seen any footballer ever hit in the history of football. 
corners are such a simple thing, but nobody nobody really does them well. But he would hit a ball and it would land in the same spot every time. We took advantage of it once or twice as well, but he was his technique was so sound. And, and I really regret being on holiday. I missed his last game. I was in you know, travelling in Australia oh, at the time. It was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. He had five. He went off for five minutes to go, didn't he? And um, yeah, or something like that. And, and I was away, and I missed it, and, and I regret it ever yeah. since. Because because yeah, totally agree. He was one hell of a player. Bergson as captain, totally agree with you on that one as well. Dan, have you anything else to say before I crack on and give you mine in brief? Yeah. Oh, it was really about it. Yeah, here I was like, I find it so interesting <laughs> listening to people talk about players I never got to see. Like when mm-hmm. I was first becoming a Bolton fan, and I discovered like I gradually discovered that all these like legendary players had played for Bolton. I was like just astounded. Like Fernando Hierro, like one of the best centre backs of fucking ever. It's just sort of mental that he's last, you know, and he became he came to love Bolton so much and all that type of stuff. And like, yeah, oh, it makes me it just swing. Oh, it's just it's so. I've, I've actually been planning a piece for like. Years about um, what the, the Bolton in third commas Galacticos like mean to someone who like never saw them because obviously Kevin Davis's um, testimonial got moved, but as it was scheduled originally, I was going to miss it. I, I was going to miss it because I was going to be on holiday, so I'd miss them again. That the only opportunity I'd ever have to ever see them again, and I'd miss it. And oh my god, I was so close to tears about it, like just sending them to mm-hmm. sending the Twitter account, just begging them to um to move it. But uh, and they did they, see. Whenever I tweet about Kevin Davis, I always get me wish granted. It's great. There you go. You're getting results. You're getting results. Well, I'll briefly run through mine. Because, like I said, it's up on the website for for your debate. I've gone with that. You're seeing goal, and I very, very nearly went with Brannigan, but the the, the sort of cheapskate in me just thinks that 100 grand for nearly 500 appearances. Everyone talks about Cantona being the best signing in Premier League history. I don't think you can look any further than Yossi Askelainen. What's that? Two thousand pound per appearance for for the best part of fifteen years. Mm. Phenomenal. Um, right back, I went with a similar theme with you, Tom. I went with Bergson at right back just because he was uh, he was uh, versatile, fantastic at centre half, fantastic at right back. Nearly two hundred and fifty appearances for the club. Twelve years, you know, Dan. Uh, Tom, sorry, twelve years since he last played for Bolton. Can you believe that? That's unbelievable. Um, it's shocking, isn't it? It's shocking. I mean, time time flies. That's that's ridiculous. Mm. Um, and left right. back I went with uh, Vincent Candela so again only a, a very very short time but in those sort of dozen or so appearances it, head and shoulders above um, very nearly went for Simon Charlton just because I always like Simon Charlton but no Vincent Candela gets left back I've gone with typical keep him in his right position I've gone with number four Pair Franson handsome man athletic skillful I always remember a, a dummy he did where he pretty much turned the whole crowd it won home game against Arsenal. Never forgotten about that. Uh, centre half, I've gone with Kale and I've cheated a bit and gone with Campo at centre half. Now, Campo, if he's in my team at centre half, he's not going to play centre half. He's going to push further forward because let's not forget, he was pretty pretty diabolical at centre half when he first came. But he, he grew into the icon that we all know and love. Uh, number seven, right winger, traditional positions with my numbers. None of this uh, midfielders wearing number three or something like that. Or Khalid Bullaroo is wearing number nine. Uh, David Lee wears number seven. And like I said on the article, the greatest English right winger since Tom Finney. Absolutely love David Lee. He's faster than lightning, crossed the ball, and he could score a few goals as well. Um, plus, whenever I see him in Asda at Fullwood in Preston, he always says hello to me as well. So, top man. Uh, JJ, um, JJ in the centre in midfield. Um, what else can you say? The, the, still the greatest goal I think I've seen at the Reebok was that free kick against Arsenal. Um, up front, I've gone for a, for a threefold. I've gone for Anelka, Davies and Jarkayev. Very close to putting Jufi in. Um, 
very close to putting Chungi in as well, honestly, oh, yeah. honestly, not even joking. But I would have would have done that as well. But Anel Kadevo and Jokaev. So you know, to bring this segment to a close, lads, what what do you think? Think my team would uh, turn yours over, or do you think your boys have got the edge? John John McGinley's got the edge over Campo in that eighteen yard box. I reckon <laughs> I reckon I'd sneak a one nil away win. Yeah, I, I think I think he would take advantage of Campo wandering upfield for no apparent reason, and then just. Uh, one of his nice little lobs over the goalkeeper. You're probably right there. I'm actually surprised an Elka. I'm the only one who's got an Elka because I thought he was like just. You could tell just from as soon as he, even at my young age, I could tell he was like just miles better than. Yeah, I've level. got him as well. So he's, he's oh, did you see that? Yeah, an Elka yeah. and Juve. So I, I totally agree with you. He was yeah. he was a class above, wasn't he? We were lucky to get him, and mm. you know, if, if things had gone differently, it might have been James Beattie or, or Andy Johnson or Baffer Timby Gomez. You know, yeah. one of these people. It was probably the last, at the time. The, like the last class legend, you know, good name we got in it. You know, like the last of the Allardyce era, the last big name that we got. You'd have thought maybe, maybe you could probably yeah. ask a Johnson and Heskey now, but they're like different circumstances. We got a player who had gone off the boil a bit, he was in Turkey, wasn't he? But um, he'd, we, you know, we rekindled it. We rekindled his career and everything, and a big name, and got him going again to, to a Champions League final after leaving Bolton. Um, but one, one player I do want to talk about from your team is David Lee, actually, because as, as weird as it may seem, I have actually seen him play. Um, it was a friendly, um, like a charity match, uh, Crilly Park, Laburn and Rovers' ground in Everton, obviously. And it was... Um, a couple of years ago now when Coyle was manager and it was a charity game. Coyle were playing, McGinley, so I've seen McGinley play as well. Um, I can vouch for the stories of him not being the most athletic of men. Um, David, <laughs> and David Lee was on the wing and, all, and he was he was the man of the match by an absolute mile. He's still lightning quick, just ripping defenders apart. And I think he scored. He might have scored one or two and then set up a few as well for Coyle, I believe. And yeah, David Lee's... And I think... Remember when we was playing... We played Liverpool early in the season and the Bolton YouTube did a really nice video of... Kelly and uh, Lee watching the highlights from the the famous game at Anfield, wasn't it? White hot nights and all that. Oh yeah, all that jazz. And just seeing Lee, he was amazing. He absolutely ripped up. It's like so a lift, it, wasn't he? Yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch the um, the five aside tournament, the Legends tournament, a few years ago? Was the one him with and, Simon Charlton playing? Him and Richard Sneaks absolutely ran the show. Even at whatever age they are now, pushing forty or whatever, they, both of them looked like they could still do a job. They seriously could. I mean, Richard Sneaks is one for the um, the subs bench. In my all time favourite team. He was he was a good player, but uh, but no pair of good teams there, and uh, and then Dan's to finish off as well at the yeah, bottom yeah. of the league. But uh, that's great. Well, well, we'll call that a day for that particular segment, and we'll be back in two minutes uh, to discuss the Rooney Rule. That's right, Line of Vienna Pods going all topical on your ass. So uh, bet, stay with us. Bear with us. Stay where you are. Any other words that mean the same sort of thing, and we're back in a minute. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're still with Dan and we're still with Tom and, unfortunately, still with myself. Now, we were briefly going to talk about the uh, the Rooney rule that's been popular this last couple of days in, in English football, but we've just had a, a tweet um, indicating that as of, well, what time is it now, quarter past ten on Sunday night, that Amos is about to sign for us tomorrow. So, twofold uh, in that news, in that obviously it's the, it's the, you know, the final farewell to Boggers, but... Amos is coming in. I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with that, Tom. Are you? Yeah, that's what we that's what we were speaking about last week, wasn't it? That yeah. you know we we don't want Bogdan to go, but if it happens, then Amos is the the best replacement. So yeah, that'd be nice to get that one rubber stamped. 
Yeah, you were the same opinion, Dan? Yeah, obviously, I think the biggest worry of Bogdan leaving is that if can we get a replacement in? And obviously, the number one, the most obvious choice is Amos. And if yeah. we didn't get him, like I was saying, there was like a murmur somewhere that Forrest was going in for him, in which case I would have driven to Nottingham and put an end to Dougie's miserable life right there and then. But um, I may have to believe that. Out. But yeah, so it's, if, if it is true and we are getting him, then that's good. We've not had a very active transfer window as of yet in terms of incomings, but getting that one done and sorted nice and early is a good step, good first step. I'm happy with that if that is true. Good man, well, totally agree. So we'll see how that story develops and, of course, keep your eye on the website. We'll bring you the, the news as soon as we possibly can, as soon as we hear it. So, back on track. Um, OK, so the Rooney rule has been uh, well, it's been widely debated over the last, uh, last couple of days or so, no more so than this weekend when... A uh, friend of the site, Mark Isles, uh, put his two penneth in on, on, the, on the, the situation. Now, just to give you a brief background, not claiming to be any kind of expert, and all information that I provide is going to be courtesy of Wikipedia. Um, but for those who are not quite so sure as to what the Rooney Rule is, it was in, created uh, over in the States in NFL um, as a reaction to what was perceived to be a lack of black and minority um, managers in the NFL game, high-level coaching positions. I think for, by the time the rule was implemented, about 2002, I think there only been one or two in the history of the game, um, which judging from the, the sort of cultural makeup of the United States was, was obviously a problem. Um, and since it was established, quite a few NFL franchises have hired African-American coaches, um, so they are seeing it to be, to be working. Um, there is a general purpose. It's to try and ensure that more minorities or people that are considered minorities, and in America it was more to the African-American community, um, would be considered for these high-level coaching positions. Now, in football, obviously, the, the, you could count the number of, of active black or you know ethnic minority managers on, on one hand. Chris Hewton um, is one, Chris Powell is another. They, they just don't seem to get the options and, and the, the chances um, that, that others get. I think the list is actually Ramsey at QPR, Hewton at Brighton, Chris Powell at Huddersfield, Hasselbank at Burton, uh, Ricardo Moniz at Notts County and Keith Curl. So, out of the 92 clubs in the football league, there's only six six black or, or different different background managers. Now, judging the fact that, that I think 25% of the entire uh, professional football association is made up of people that will qualify for that uh, that same title as well, and obviously there's a bit of a problem there. Uh, last September, Gordon Taylor, known to us at Bolton, of course, um, he quoted he was quoted saying that football has a hidden resistance preventing black managers getting jobs. Um, and they were supposed to be bringing something similar into this in 2013, um, but of course it didn't didn't come to pass. But since then, in the last couple of days, they've, they've had another resolution where they're going to be bringing in that sort of rule. And basically, what it means, in, in a nutshell, is that uh, clubs have got to interview at least one candidate who will be considered black or of um, a sort of mixed race, mixed origin uh, candidacy for all youth development roles requiring a minimum of a UEFA B coaching role. Um, and also there'll be a creation of a, of a sort of shortlist of, of current coaches and managers who don't have jobs, who wish to, uh, wish to work in the game, and that would improve their, abil- their ability to get an interview, not to get a job, but to get an interview, at least have a foot in the door to be considered. This isn't to do with who gets the job. That is pretty irrelevant you know, in the grand scheme of things, but it's all about making sure that people have the same opportunities across the world, which I think we can all agree with. So Dan, I'll come to you first. Um, apropos nothing really in particular, um, but what's your your reaction to that news? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's positive discrimination? Uh, you know, yeah. where do you stand on the topic? And feel free to be as honest as you want. I mean, you know, nobody's accusing anybody of being against anyone or anything like that here. Just, just let's say what you feel. Yeah, of course. Um, it's a weird one. 
It's a weird one because I can. There's definitely positives and negatives either way. And you know, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was quoted to say, um, "What was it saying earlier? I think you should appoint someone because they are the right person, not because they are black or white." I wouldn't want to be waiting uh, for an interview thinking they they only asked me that because I only asked me there because I was black. I want to know they asked me because they think I can do a, I can do the job. And no, that's coming from a black manager himself who's been very successful in his short time at Burton, obviously. So it's different opinions, isn't it? But I. So I don't really know either way. I don't. I'm not going to pretend to be educated enough to know either way what if any rule will work if it's beneficial. If you know, is it bl- blame, bame, blame community? Is that what it is? Yeah, B- bame, B-A-M-E, right. yeah. Yeah. The, if like if the inverted was bame community want it themselves or if it's just being superimposed onto them. But I think the point is there is obviously like the easy, the easy, idiotic. Counter argument to the Rooney rule is there's nothing, there's nobody saying black managers can't get a job, it's just that there's no good black managers or something. But there's a reason that there's only so few black managers, there is a systematic, inherent reason why not as many people of, um, you know, different ethnic minorities are in the game, and you know, that's like a thing England's culture has been built on, and that type of stuff. So there isn't, there is a reason that there isn't that many. You know, people going for those jobs and not many black managers in the football league. So there needs to be steps taken to give equal opportunities to those black managers. Get more, get more people of different um, culture and ethnicity in the game because there is a lack of it. And you know, variety is a spice of life. And the more culture and stuff in, in all walks of media and sport and life in general, that the more different, the more people you get from different backgrounds, yeah. uh, um, can only make things better. Of course it can. I mean, it's it's what is it? It's black, Asian, and minority ethnic. Yeah, um, that's right. To give it its exact title, um, and you're right. I mean, how how can they be expected to improve those those pathetic percentages when when the opportunities are not there? And so it, it becomes a responsibility, I think, as those in power to to ensure that fairness is is taken into consideration, and to just put a blanket statement out there that. You know, oh well, they, they might be applying for the jobs, but they're not getting it because they're not good enough. I think is he, ignorant and it's just wrong. All right, everybody, this is a, a new one for us. We were back on a Monday. That's right, the uh, the gremlins that plagued our recording last night have meant that we're actually splitting tonight's show over two parts. You're only going to get it as a one part, so we're not giving you a double bubble tonight. Um, but we're just going to dive straight back in and try our best to crack on and, and catch up to where we were, where we left things. Um, we were talking about the Rooney Rule. We were talking about its implementation, whether it's the right thing for English football. Um, I think the point we left it was really passing to Tom because we heard from Danny's opinions and we were wondering whether it, it is a, a crucial introduction for British football, whether it is just paying lip service to a, a historical problem or whether it's the old, the old age, age old white man solving the black man's problems, you know, something as simple as that, you know, imposing our own will upon other people, assuming it's for their benefit and not really consulting them. But Tom, where do you stand on the whole debate? Well, I've had, I've had a look at it and I've, I've looked at how it's worked in America and then proposals over in England as well and I don't necessarily see it in the same way as Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank does. I can totally see where he's coming from, um, in that he doesn't want to be seen as getting a job purely based on his on his ethnicity. But something needs to be done. Uh, but the point I wanted to make that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that that's going to be at the top level. It needs to be at all levels of the game, um, from grassroots football on a Saturday Sunday morning, uh, right through the leagues. Um, and it'll be it's a lot it's a long term project, isn't it? I mean, when the Rooney Rule was introduced, you're looking at six percent of of coaches being black or, or ethnic minorities. 
And it's a similar situation here. We've got six out of 92, so it's a similar sort of percentage as it was in the USA. Um, and now we've got 22% of coaches in the NFL um, who are black or ethnic minorities. So it has worked over a longer period of time. I think we're talking, is it 22 years since it was introduced? Yeah, so, something like that, yeah. So it's, 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 it's a long-term project. It's not something that's going to be sold overnight. But the, the fact of the matter is, something definitely needs to be done about it. I mean, you've got a quarter of players in the Premier League are black or ethnic minority, and then 6.5% of, of head coaches are, and it, it doesn't add up, and something needs to be done. But it's not going to be something that's solved overnight. It's something that's going to have to be done over the long term. Um, and one thing that, that a couple of people who, who don't necessarily uh, defend it, one, one thing that they point to is the idea it's forcing forcing people to, to take individuals on, but it doesn't guarantee anybody a job whatsoever. No. What it does is it, it puts people's uh, people's feet in the door, so to speak. And, you know, I remember um, Hugo Ekiog was talking about how he's done his coaches and he's not even having a look in, uh, at interviews and things like that, but... I suppose in one way it gets it gets your face known and, and chairman talk, clubs talk and they can say that they're impressed with with a certain individual interview and it can it can pass on. So it, it's definitely something that needs to be done, but it needs to be done correctly. It needs to be implemented correctly and at, and at all levels as well. I fully agree, and I think that's where a lot of the misconception lies in people. You know, understandably, just having a bit of a gut reaction to it, thinking, well, why should we give such and such a job just because of the colour of his skin or, or his ethnic background when? It's really not the case, is it? It's really just a question of giving people the opportunity where the, the, you know, the facts are there in black and white, so to speak, that, that the numbers don't lie, that people, like, people aren't getting an interview, and so therefore it's only natural that there's going to be less people in the job. Um, but it's a very emotive subject. A lot of people uh, take it very seriously, you know, you know, and, and rightly so as well, because it is important that in this day and age that, that we are all equal, that everyone has got the same opportunity, regardless of your background. But no, that's interesting, lads. Well, we're going to call that a day for that segment because we spoke on it you know, extensively in the first half of the pod. Uh, so we'll have a little break for a moment or two and then we'll come back and we'll play Guess Who and then we'll have a game of, uh, another game of the Twitter question, which again, good fun. So bear with us, back in a sec. Welcome back to this Monday night pod. Uh, Love Pod 14, I'm still joined by Tom and I'm still joined by Dan and I'm still here to myself. I'm going to hand over to Dan in a sec because we're going to play the second round of Bolton Wanderers Guess Who. So get your pens and papers ready, keep score at home and let us know if you manage to get it. Dan, how, how can you play? Yeah, well basically how it's going to work once again is um, I'm going to read out a series of clues. I've got more than five this week because there was a, quite a few to go off this week so I'm quite happy. So you've got more if you need them. But hopefully you did it for last week so hopefully you can... Better it this week, here's hoping. Uh, yeah, so basically, um, I'll read out the clues that allude to the identity of a former Bolton Wanderers player, and um, each of our contestants have to shout the name out. Shout your name out, because I can distinguish who has actually shouted, because it was close call last week, and I should have should have prepared that, so a little change. And, um, well, that's him, but that's, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Oh. Tom's name is shorter than mine, so he's actually got a, a, you know, a bit of an advantage they're, there. They're both one syllable, Chris, Tom. Yeah, but you know, I tend to elongate mine to make use of the extra letters. You should know that by now. Shut your mouth. Well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we, need, yeah. we need we need the dubious call out panel because that was too close to call last week. I know I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You were honest. Well, last week, I, last week I let you. Uh, I was going to let Tom go for it, but it'd been his debut. But there's no uh, there's no sympathy like that this week. It's man against yeah. man. Right, then, redemption's um, mine this week. I know it's, it's a face <laughs> So, um, yeah, you, you, you each have three guesses to. Um, obviously to try and work out who it is and I think that's it so yeah to the to the victor goes to the spoils and clue number one I was born 
on the 9th of January, 1981. Okay. Number two. I was named after a famous Portuguese footballer. No, okay. <laughs> in Euro 2008 qualifying, I finished top goal scorer in Group A, scoring eight goals, beating Cristiano Ronaldo. Hang on, is this someone that's played for Bolton? We've never yes, had anyone. Yes, 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 yes. I guarantee you. Okay. Okay. I was the first person of my country. I'm not giving. I'm not giving away the country because I'll, I'll know it down significantly. To score against Portugal in 20 years, the previous one being my father. Chris, go on. Good Johnson. No, incorrect. He he came on for his father, didn't he? As a substitute, oh, he never played the ticket. Yeah, technicality. That's that. that's a technicality. Yeah. Go on. Oh, I've got it. Hang on. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Right, right, right. Hang he on. Said, go on. You're all 2008. Top scorer. Top scorer in the competition or the group? No, just group A. Yeah, take your time, Tom. No problem. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, sorry, no problem. Pass, pass, pass. That's pass, all right. Pass, okay, pass. okay. Oh, this is close, is right. Despite my very good international form, my manager at Bolton refused to give me a chance. This is doing my head in this. <laughs> you might get you might get it off this, Chris, because we I just, hope so. We discussed it once in a Facebook group, so you never know. After leaving Bolton, I returned to my home country, but the owner of the club oh. I go on. Sunshine. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> so you rub on one guess each. That's a good one. After leaving Bolton, I returned to my home country, but the owner of the club I joined was a bit of a bellend and liked to punish players for poor performances. Chris. Go on. Smolarek. Correct. Yes! <laughs> it's every Smolarek. Every Smolarek, that's the one. Yeah, and he once made me run the stadium steps as a punishment. That's correct. Right. Um, why did he make you, hang on a second, why did he make you do that? I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't find the... Um, the information on it. I just remember reading it in a 442 article, and he 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 gave an interview saying he had to do it. I just remember that, but that is uh, definitely true. But I couldn't hey, find the excellent. That was, that was a difficult one. That one. Uh, yeah, the final. Yeah. My final clue was a. Uh, I scored a solitary goal on my loan spell at Bolton in the FA Cup against Sunderland, and you this week you did it in one, two, three, four, five. You did it in six clues. So you're slacking. So we're getting worse. That was yeah. a excellent. tough one. That it was. That was I quite feel that one. I tried to be very sneaky and not say his country or like say he was on loan or say his, Megson, his manager was Megson, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm quite happy. Very good, very good. I'm impressed. Good, good, good. That's, that's what I aim to do. Keep it up. Right, well, sh- shall do, shall do. I have to think of a better one next week now. Well, that's it. We're setting the, start- the standards very, very low. You're setting them very, very high, so it's, it's your problem. It is. But no, that's great. We'll... Um, Unlucky Tom, hard lines. Um, I will probably make a point of repeating my victory at some point over the coming week, so you're not going to get away from that. But on that bombshell, we'll dive straight into the final segment of tonight's uh, sort of truncated show, but still going to be as long as uh, as normal in the grand scheme of things, with the Twitter question of the week. Now, it's silly season, as we all know, or as Alan Nixon calls those weekdays. We're going to be looking at the our favourite ever daft BWFC transfer rumours from history. Um, we'll come to you two in a minute or so to uh, to your particular favourites, but I'm just going to run down some of the Twitter responses we got from our lovely, handsome listeners and James Derbyshire. Um, to start, we've got Matt Wood at Matt underscore Wood 34. Miguel Veloso saga takes some beating. 
I remember that on a, on a uh, an annual basis under Megson. He had a hard on, didn't he, for the lovely Portuguese midfield. Now, having seen Veloso up close and personal once, he was uh, a very handsome man. Uh, Alex Parkinson, Al Parklas, put Figo in capital letters. Now, I, I can't say I remember that. Remember that? Can either of you two? No, I, I, that, that one comes oh. a bit as fast to me as well, but I cannot remember. Yeah. No, bizarre. Um, oh, look who it is, James. Oh, sorry, come on. I think I'd have remembered that one. I think Figo, we all would have done Figo at the Reebok. Yeah. James Derbyshire uh, at J Derbyshire BWFC. Tiago and Ferry Bodder sagas stand out too. Lucky to miss out on the latter. And now this is, I don't like this comment, James. He holdened a few months after. Wow, he certainly oh. did. He never recovered, did he, from those terrible knee injuries. He was yeah. about four million quid from Swansea, I believe, wasn't it? I yeah. think we ended up with Prattley instead. So, you know. It's but a shame because he's a very good player, that very bad back in days. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was. I mean, the, the Thiago one's interesting because I remember having a chat with uh, Phil Gartside once, uh, one of the player of the year dudes, and I asked him about Thiago. I said, was it all, you know, was it fact, was it fiction? And he told me that they were 99% sure that they had it in the bag. Sure. It was going to be a £4 million buy with a Barcelona could buy him back after two years Jesus at Christ. five or six million quid. Um, so it wasn't much of a, you know, it's a, ver- a verified sort of loan deal, more or less. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we would have had Thiago Alcantara for two years. I know the club went out there to talk to Barcelona and were very, very confident they would have had it. That was a big problem for Coyle back in the day because he missed out on like, loads of his chances. Do you remember Jefferson he tried getting from. Can't remember what club it was. Yeah, I know he ended up. Go- no, he didn't end up going to Sport in Lisbon from wherever we were trying to sign him from. What so the goalkeeper? Was he a goalkeeper? No, no, he's a winger. The fast, the really fast winger. That's who it were. We tried to get him, and then we tried getting Wright Phillips, and that didn't work. And then we ended up with Eagles. So I, I have sympathy for Kyle because he did try and get a good transfer targets, but he'd always get rebunked like five. <laughs> Targets down. Did you see? Um, oh, you might not have done, but I was uh, idly browsing the Daily Mail website on my lunch break at work today, and there was uh, the cast, the female cast of The Only Ways Essex were spotted in a Marbella uh, nightclub, and one of them was cuddling up to none other than Chris Eagles. That was quite interesting. <laughs> oh, the dirty Chris. slag. The dirty <laughs> slag, yeah. And somebody from The Only Ways Essex as well. Um, but straight back into this with Adam Strickland, Mr. Strick91. Uh, Nixon's famous Jordan Rhodes rumour or the Junior Hoylet rumours. Uh, again, the, the Jordan Rhodes one just encapsulates everything that Nixon stands for, which basically is lies. Uh, Joe Norris at Comrade Wanderer. And his Rivaldo facts. I, I should have edited that before I read it out. I didn't quite expect it to say that. Uh, yeah, but Rivaldo, the facts in his pocket, absolutely notorious and you can still find those newspaper articles if you if you google Rivaldo Bolton Wanderers online that was a that would have been one wouldn't it Shane McHugh the whole Samuel Eto'o thing was just peculiar now Tom where do you stand on that because Allardyce he's made a few comments about uh, signings such as Eto'o Drogba and so on that he, that yeah. he would have wanted to have made and was uh, was was pulled away from do you think there's any mileage in it or do you think it's just Sam bleating on trying to big himself up about spotting all these players before they became famous? I think, from what I remember, there was more in the in the Drogba situation than there was with Etu. Um, mm. I think that was that was a bit of a pipe dream. But, he, you know, you, you you were talking about Drogba and Etu as top, top-class strikers who won things. But Fernando Hierro captained a Champions League winning side. He captained Spain. So... He's done it in the past. He's got the track record. I mean, a World Cup winner in Yuri Jokev as well. So yeah. I, I back Sam with that one all the way. I, I reckon he, he was in, he was in for both of them at one point. I'm sure he's heard of him, and I'm sure he had a, he had a look at him. But let, you know, Drogba didn't start playing professionally. He was about 24, 25, I seem to recall. So you know, it's not like we were signing the Drogba that was playing for Chelsea by that point. We were probably 
looking at signing the drug, but that scored five or six goals a season for Gangon, is it, in the, in the, in the French Premier, but we'll see. Uh, Dino Riccardi um, has gone for Lucas Billier and Miguel Veloso, so it's an Argentinian and a Portuguese there. Uh, under Megson's regime, instead we got Muamba and Sean Davies. So yeah, fantastic. Thanks for reminding us about that, Dino. Brilliant. Glenn Ashworth has put two seasons ago, Bolton were linked with Raheem Sterling on loan during pre-season. I can't see. I remember that. No, I do. I used to do, and I remember scorning at it because I was thinking Sterling's not that good. He's just a bit of a, you know, a hothead kid. I don't want that. I don't want that at my club. And I look at him now. I always do that. I always like we get linked with players, and I go, "That's nah, a bit of shit." And then they become like very, very good in the immediate aftermath. So I need to stop talking. Yeah, or in Sterling's case, um, well, they just they just run very quickly and don't really do much else. But that's I, that's, I that's a debate for another unfair. day. I, yeah, I think that's unfair personally. But let's let's. <laughs> Andy OB Yates, the quote from Allardyce, I was close to signing Bird Count, but he didn't want to come. <laughs> so not very close at all then, Sam. I'm gonna I'm gonna show my cards now. The Bird Count one was mine. I was gonna come up I was gonna mention that as my favourite one as well. There was a, a a moment where I think they offered Bird Camp there was a story they offered Bird Camp the chance to live in London and get a helicopter up to Bolton every day. Well, if you're gonna offer a a player notoriously afraid of flying <laughs> to sign for your contract. I think putting on a helicopter is probably the last thing you should do. Um, Dan of the Avenues put, when Figo was linked with us, at least Rivaldo came for talks. So there you go. Someone else remembers the Figo one as well. So it must just be my memory. Eddie Skelly, before my time, but trying to get Pele as manager in the 80s and then Del Piero on loan in 2005. He even put a link to that article about Del Piero. That was one that I completely, uh, completely bypassed me. And I like to think I read most junk about wanderers around um, Chris Merrill's C Merrill's BWFC the Davids one was good that was a similar time to Rivaldo and I'm pretty sure Beckham was banded around as well on loan again I don't remember any of the, the, the Beckham one Edgar Davids but you know I wouldn't have said no to them and Chris Bradish has put us signing an Elka well there you go so it just goes to show that not all uh, there's an element of truth in every lie I suppose and Elka will never forget his contribution to the club but uh, Dan will come to you first before we, we close the pod um, your favourite daft Bolton Wonders rumour of all time yeah I actually have a few um, I remember um, in the same vein of the Eto and Drogba ones I remember I was getting linked I think it was more after the fact that Allardyce had left and he was giving interviews and stuff was um, Vidic and Evra um, weren't we linked with them before they signed for United or something or wasn't Allardyce trying to get them but um, he probably said we were it wasn't backed and his ambition wasn't matched and then we didn't get Champions League and all that type of stuff then a few of us I remember I think around the same time frame really um, the good Danielson, who I remember, we, I remember being linked quite heavily with him. I think I think it might have been Megson's under, at the time, but we were linked with quite a lot. Who with was that? The, the good Danielson, not the one who was at Arsenal, the the one who was actually good. Nielsen. No, Danielson. Oh, Danielson. Oh, sorry, beg your pardon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cause he came. He had a trial, didn't he? And then he went exactly. and played in, in like Malaysia or Singapore somewhere like that instead. Yeah, that's what it was. And then I have another one in the similar vein to Thiago. Um, Joanna Turbe when we was linked with him before I oh, think yeah, it was before yeah I think he was at Porto at the time we were trying to get him on loan and then he might have gone to, he either went to an Italian club or he went to River Plate on loan instead and yeah so then another one we missed out of and now a very big club a very big player at Roma obviously so yeah we've been linked with some players in the past for sure we certainly have. There was uh, one's just come to mind now. Sorry to interrupt, Tom, but my my brother um, spoke to me about this a bit ago as well. My uncle, for some reason, he, he rang us up one night when we were when we were younger and said that he'd just seen Jurgen Klinsmann on the uh, the four seven one between Bolton and Bury. So he, he was obviously naturally going to uh, to uh, Burnham Park to sign for Bolton. Never happened. So 
obviously you were telling lies. But Tom, you're, have you got any uh, any particular recollections or stories such as that? Yeah, I mean, the Thiago one stood out for me as well, just because twelve months later he just exploded onto the scene, and I mean I know mm. he's he's not set the world alight at Bayern, but uh, he's, he's got injury, time on his side, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, yeah, he's out for he's twelve had an injury, months, hasn't he? But he came yeah. back this season was so, world class, and I think his first game back, he said I could go all up like within a minute on the pitch. So he's going to be one to watch for the future, definitely. definitely yeah, definitely. He's, he's had he's had those injuries, hasn't he? But he'll 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 turn out to be world class, and it, it was nice that we were linked with him. Uh, I remember a couple of it was a, it was two seasons on the bounce in January, and I'm thinking it's to about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And on both of them, we were linked with Marlon Harewood on the last day. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, that was at, at like half ten at night. I remember that popping up. Um, Jimmy Bullard, that was another transfer deadline day one that I got a little bit excited about, um, just because he's a bit of a joker. I, I, think, remember... you mean, uh, I think you mean dickhead. <laughs> and the, uh, the last one, uh, do you remember when we were linked with Capa de Villa from Villarreal? Yes, I do remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. right, we got... They thought they had him signed and sealed, didn't they? But yeah, wasn't... and he was he was starting at left back for Spain at yeah. the time as well. But wasn't that? I remember reading something. You just reminded me how um, some I read somewhere that an agent told Coyle, "I can get you Spain's left back in regards to Captain Vito," and, he, <laughs> and apparently Coyle said, "I've already got him." <laughs> Speaking oh. about Marcus Alonso. God sake. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Alonso would never be Spain's left back if there were no, no. left backs about left in the bloody universe. Stand by, we've still not replaced him though because he was good in his last season for us. I'll, stay, I'll uh, stand that, by that. Was he? Was yeah, he? Yeah, he was shit up till then, but after that last season, he was very good. To be fair, same as Steinson for I, me. Yeah, he, he, he was he was a defender. He really wasn't that interested in defending, was he? But you know, oh well. His best game for us was against Everton in the cup when Johnny Heitinger scored a last minute winner after being booed on the pitch. I may add because Everton fans are the fucking worst around. <laughs> we're just we're just on a war against all the scouts this podcast yeah. beautiful um, <laughs> and then um, he was amazing Alonso was absolutely amazing that game and I think that was like the one the game that like set in motion the move to Fiorentina and stuff like that so yeah well fair enough fair enough so uh, yeah brilliant well some good recollections there lads it just goes to show that uh, it's not just current day Bolton Wanderers that have the pie in the sky signings although except maybe the, the standard of the play that we're being linked to these days is, is representative of where we are in the world I suppose it's no longer Etu and Drogba and Rivaldo and places like that it's uh, you know two kids you've never heard of from the Northern Irish Premier League but uh, such is the footballing world I suppose it comes and goes ups and downs but thanks for that lads thanks Dan thanks Tom for your contributions tonight um, Tom um, you know we started to make your, make your impact on the website as well some very well received articles also you've had people telling that you've not got a clue what you're talking about so you're, you're settling in nicely um, yeah where can people find you on, on the internet if they want to uh, follow you on Twitter, etc.? If you want to find me on the internet, it's down the money road and road as RD. Otherwise, find me on the uh, the articles that I'll be putting up on the on the line of Vienna Street website as well. Top man. And Dan, I presume you've not changed yours in the last week no, or two? that's my online identity. No, that's never changing. So as long as I live, it's all about the brand synergy. So yeah, as always, it's <laughs> at the Broski. Join the hordes of fucking mutant scousers who've been tweeting me this morning, um, this today. In re- in response to me saying Adam Bogdan's very well suited to that team, well, mm. apart from he's not a fucking idiot. But well, yeah. I, I fully so, agree. I think I think there's been been some excellent stuff on there today. And we've seen some pretty good uh, good numbers of people clicking as well. So we'll continue to troll Liverpool fans for the next couple of weeks. Try and milk that for the best we possibly can. So you can find me at ninety man in eighty three on Twitter for all your your wrestling, your football, your Nicolas Cage films, anything you could ever want to know. 
and most of the things that you didn't. Uh, you can, of course, follow the site at Line of Vienna Steve uh, at Twitter. Still don't know who Steve is, but he, he keeps getting a mention every week. And, of course, we're at lineofviennasuite.com. Undoubtedly, the world's number one Bolton Wanderers website, or at least that's what it says on my CV. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for Love Pod 15. Keep an eye on the Twitter account in the coming days. We'll, uh, we'll issue next week's Twitter question and maybe some exciting news about an upcoming pod guest if we can get him to say yes in time. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the flip side. 